0: Folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 58 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and today um, we're going to do some current events stuff today. Um, And uh, here's the deal. On Monday, March 29th, 2021, Gallup published an article titled, U.S. Church Membership Falls Below Majority for First Time. The article reports on the 2020 religious survey that Gallup has conducted every year, I think since 1937, and according to Gallup, U.S. church membership was 73% when Gallup first measured it in 1937, and remained near 70% 70 for the next six decades before beginning a a steady decline around the turn of the 21st century. Well, the gist of the article is that for the first time in American history, church membership in the United States has fallen below 50%. And the three big takeaways from that article, according to Gallup, are these. Number one, in 2020, 47% of U.S. adults belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. Number two, that number is down more than 20 points from the turn of the century. And number three, according to Gallup, the change is primarily due to the rise in the number of Americans with no religious preference. So what do we make of all this? Well, here's the thing about this kind of stuff. Numbers never tell the whole story, particularly when it comes to societal societal change. And that is especially so when we're trying to talk about church affiliation as the single barometer of faith. So what's really going on here? Well, that is what we're going to talk about today. And no one, certainly not me, is going to deny that there is a change going on in U.S. church membership. Uh, Church membership has indeed been trending downward for a good long while now. Uh, Excuse me, coffee time. I swear we need a coffee sponsor on this show. (laughs) I've said that. Nobody's taken me up on that yet. We need a coffee sponsor. <laughs> but we do not yet have one, so I will continue to buy coffee of my choosing. Um, so as of 2020, um, for the first time probably in our nation's history, less than half of Americans are affiliated with a church, synagogue, or mosque. Now, 2020 was an odd year, okay? Um, a lot of churches were shut down. A lot of churches moved to virtual stuff, which, you know, some of that was done okay. Some of it was not done okay. And there's all been all kinds of conversations about that. But but 2020 was a bizarre year. We all know that. And so you could say, you could look, could look at this and say, well, trying to measure this kind of stuff in a pandemic year, of course, it's going to be low. All right. If that were the only data point we had, yes, we could write that off and say that's an anomaly. But it's not. Church attendance has been trending lower and lower every year for a long time. 2020 accelerated that for sure. But that's not the we like. We can't blame all this on the pandemic. Okay, that's clear. Now, I, the, the the Gallup poll talks about people who are affiliated with a church, synagogue, or mosque. Okay. I'm only really interested in the church part of that, the, the Christian part of that, okay? And while I don't deny that a change has been taking place in US, U.S. church membership, I am really, really interested in the why part of it, okay? And what is what is generally offered as an explanation um, for the decline in what we might call church membership is that Americans are becoming more secular and less religious. And I'd say that overall that's true. Um, A larger percentage of Americans are relatively unattached um, to Christianity than has historically been true. That's that's true. Uh, People are just not as interested in Christianity, um, and that that has been trending for a while. But what we absolutely need to understand is that when, when, we look at, when we look at numbers like this and trends like this, what, what we, and what I want you to understand is that there are, there are two kinds of religiously unaffiliated people here. And the Gallup poll doesn't point that out. But we need to understand who those people are who are religiously unaffiliated. And we need, need to understand both kinds of people, all right? So the first group of those religiously unaffiliated people are what um, the, the sociologists, the social researchers, um, have dubbed the, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. These are people who, who just simply have no religious affiliation, and they probably never did, Okay. They either grew up in non-Christian homes or for whatever other reason. They just have never been a significant part of any Christian church. Uh, they've never been Christians. They don't necessarily care to become one. Uh, they're just they live in a world apart from Christianity and at some level they're probably content to do so. Okay. They're not they're not moving in the same spheres as Christian people. It's just not on their radar very much, okay. And as we continue to morph as a country, that group of people r- really do seem to be growing larger, according to a Pew Research Forum report from 2015, uh, and there'll be a link to that in the show notes. By the way, I- I'm going to mention a number of resources in this in this episode, and I'm, I'll just I'm not going to say this every time, but. I'll have links to all of them in the show notes, so you can just look there at the bottom and and you'll see all that. Um, But according to a Pew Research Forum report from 2015, while many U.S. religious groups are aging, the unaffiliated are comparatively young and getting younger on average over time. So, So right off the bat whatever other conclusions we might draw from all this, it's clear that older Christians are not substantially passing on their faith to younger people. And there is there is a lot that we could talk about on that front, but we're not going to do that today. The important, the important thing I want you to get here is that the first, there's two groups of religiously unaffiliated and the first group, the first chunk of that are what we call the nuns, people who just, they're just, Christianity's just not on their radar, okay? The second group of people, though, in contrast to the nuns, um, were discovered by sociologists Josh Packard and Ashley Hope while doing the research that culminated in their 2015 book, Church Refugees. And the, the subtitle of that book is Sociologists Reveal Why People Are Done With Church But Not Their Faith. Okay? Uh, there's, there's a link in the show notes for that. You should read that book. You really should. So Josh Packard is an associate professor at the University of Northern Colorado. Um, Ashley Hope was, at the time that they wrote the book and did the research, she was working on her doctorate at vanderbilt okay in sociology but while they were doing their research and they were they were talking to a lot of people and one of the one of the problems in trying to understand people who leave church is that they don't you know they don't often talk about why they leave church they they just sort of fade off into the background they tracked down a whole lot of these kind of people and they talked to them, had conversations. It wasn't just some little survey where you choose A, B, C, or D. They, they, they talked to them and had conversations. Um, what they discovered, though, is, is that there are, there are a significant number of Christians who no longer attend church services and yet, as we, un- as we understand church services, all right, they no longer attend church services, and yet they seem to be thriving in their spiritual life. And so uh, Josh Packard and Ashley Hope um, started referring to this group of people as the Duns, D-O-N-E-S, in contrast to the nuns. Okay, These are people who are done with church. They're walking away from traditional expressions of Christianity. Um, now, some interesting things about this group of people. Um, You might be tempted to think that these are people kind of on the fringe, that they're, you know, um, I don't know, not, they, they tend to be socially isolated. They tend to be, I don't know. You might think of a lot of things, but here's the thing. What they found about this group of people is that by and large, they tend to be economically stable, They tend to be educated, they are likely to be married, and surprisingly, they tend to be very active in their faith. Packard describes them in his book as high-capacity people who were deeply involved in their local fellowships until it became stifling to their own journey. In other words, they are exactly the kind of people that you would want in a church because they're going to be they're going to be um, involved they're going to be living their faith they're going to be doing the work of of Christians in the world right but what we what the researchers found was that these people are walking away from traditional congregations because they felt that it was stifling to their own spiritual journey uh, Wayne Jacobson, who has—I've um, never met Wayne Jacobson. And I've mentioned him before. He's been a little bit of a mentor to me. I don't agree with everything he says, um, but I don't agree with anything everybody anybody says. Um, but he's been a little bit of a mentor to me. He's written some some good books, um, and um, he's got a, a podcast that I have listened to a lot. I don't listen to it as much anymore. Um, but Wayne Jacobson has done a lot of work ministering to these kind of people. And he says that this group of people, the Duns, the people who are walking away from church but still have a vibrant faith, this, he says this group of people numbers some 65 million Americans. And again, it's important to remember that a great many of these people have not walked away from Jesus. They still believe in Jesus. They're still trying to follow him, and they very much want real community with other people who are following Jesus, but they have walked away from the church. That is a big distinction, okay? Now, I'm going to admit here that I am really predominantly interested in this this second group of people, the duns, as opposed to the nuns. And the question that has driven a lot of my waking hours over the last decade or so, because this isn't, when, when Gallup came out with this thing, this, was, this isn't the first time I'd run across this, okay? I have been aware of this phenomenon for a dozen years or more. And the question that has driven a lot of my waking hours over the last decade or so is why? Why are people walking away from church and you will be happy to know that I have got some answers. And I'll tell you where those answers come from. Those answers for me come from three places. Um, the first place that I, that I get some answers is from Josh Packard and Ashley Hope's book, Church Refugees, that I mentioned a minute ago. Um, the second is a book by Wayne Jacobson. Uh, his book is titled Beyond Sundays, why those who are done with the religious institutions can be a blessing for the church. And Wayne wrote that book, uh, I think 2016, I can't remember exactly it, but it'll be in the show notes. He wrote that book uh, in part as a as kind of a response to uh, Josh Packard's book, uh, Church Refugees, um, to provide some some ministry clarity and, and a little bit of more uh, information about some of these kinds of people. Okay, so so if you read Church Refugees, it would be helpful, I think, to follow it up with uh, Wayne Jacobson's book Beyond Sundays. Those those two books really kind of go hand in hand together. If you want to understand what's going on here, those two books are the place to start. So those are those are two places that I that I have turned to for some answers. But the third source of my answers to the questions of why people are leaving traditional churches is my own life and the people I have interacted with uh, over the last dozen years. In, in short, these are the kind of people who I have tended to minister to. Um, and that is, that is in part because I am one of those people very much. If you're a long listener, long-time listener of this podcast, you'll probably know that. That probably won't surprise you. But if this is your first time uh, listening to the to the show, um, that might surprise you. But I am one of those people. Um, I have had, and and I've been open about this in my podcast. I have had some not so wonderful experiences in church, and um, that that'd be a whole other podcast to unpack all of that. But I have sort of migrated away from traditional churches now that that's not universally true i still have my fingers in a traditional church somewhat but by most people like most people in in leadership there they would probably look at me and say yeah he's not a he's not a real producer he's not real involved whole nother story there okay um so, but the real question, why are people abandoning traditional churches? And I'll try not to get waylaid again, but I am going to have some more coffee. Okay, so why are people abandoning traditional churches? And I'm going to give you two kind of big macro level reasons, um, just to sort of set the stage. And then I'm, I'm going to delve down into them a little bit further and give you some you know, five or six or seven real specific things that tend to be as you talk to people, that these things tend to come up again and again and again as as common reasons, okay? So, but I'm going to give you two big macro level reasons first. The first big macro level reason that people are leaving church and and this is honestly this comes from comes from all these sources that I just mentioned. Like this is legit, okay? Um The first reason is rooted in the fact that society as a whole, uh, in society as a whole, we've experienced a loss of trust in social institutions in general and in religious leaders in particular, okay? Um, As a society, we just don't respect institutions. We're skeptical of government. We're skeptical of business. We're any kind of big institution most of us are at some level skeptical of, of those big institutions. That's just true. It's, and that has been happening since the 70s, okay? Um, religious leaders in particular. Um, religious leaders are no longer, by and large, trusted people in our world, okay? As not, not the way they used to be back in, say, Billy Graham's day, okay? The second Macro level reason um, that people are leaving traditional churches is that religious institutions tend to just not be tied into the daily life of individuals the way they once were. All right, there's there's kind of a there's kind of a disconnect between what happens on Sunday and the things the things we do in churches and the real on the street lives of the people who attend those churches. So in other words, churches have become, for a lot of people, kind of irrelevant to the way that they live their lives. They're not answering the questions that people need answered. They're not meeting the needs, the, the spiritual needs of, of people who need, who have needs that need to be met, right? So those are, those are the two big kind of macro level reasons people are, are leaving traditional churches. But we need to break that down a little bit more. And the remarkable thing in all this is that these 65 million people who have left the church, and I believe that number, by the way, um, they've left the church, but they haven't left Jesus. These people are, they tend to be saying the same things. They're having the same experiences. And so as you talk to people, and I would invite you to do that. If you know some people that have just kind of walked away from traditional church, take them out to lunch and and don't judge them don't 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 be harsh on them just listen ask them why and listen to what they're saying honestly and i think you're going to hear some of these things because i hear them anytime i meet people like that and i've met a lot of people like that and i am one of those kind of people and i can tell you these things are true for most people all right there's, so there's a handful of, of, of things, key things, that seem to finally make it clear to people that they just need to leave. And among those of us who work with these people, we just tend to hear these things over and over and over again. Okay, One of the most frequently mentioned reasons for leaving is that people just say that they're worn out by the, uh, what some refer to as the machinery of church and the need to serve it. Um, just keeping keeping all the, the big programs and ministry and work of the church going. You know, churches are volunteer organizations, right? Um, they rely on the work of volunteers, although we've tended to professionalize ministry a lot more in the last hundred years, and that's another conversation too. Um, but... And you, you may be familiar with the 80-20 rule, right? That says in any volunteer organization, 80% of the work is going to be done by 20% of the people. And that's just true. That's just true. So in any church, all the, all the work of keeping that thing going and keeping all those plates spinning, and in some churches, there are a lot of plates spinning. That's all being done by 20% of the people, Okay. And some of what's going on here is kind of a garden variety burnout that comes from just having to do more than you've got time or energy for. But it also means that for many people, the cost that that extracts is not worth the fruit that it produced. And very few people say that their congregation is all bad, right? Um, So we're not not painting that picture. We're not talking about hopelessly bereft churches here. Most people, we're not going to say that their congregation is all bad. But for many, many, many people, the demands of volunteer ministry in the congregation begin to displace their passion for Jesus and their life, their spiritual health. And just to get some relief, they walk away. So that's one thing. Another thing that we hear a lot is that people leave because they just don't respect the leadership anymore. And that comes about in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, sometimes far too frequently it's because the leadership are dishonest. Um, they, they don't they don't keep their word they say one thing and do another. Sometimes it just means that they, they've become autocratic they're, they're they've become, um, a, kind of a top-down hierarchical. Um, we're in charge. We'll tell you what to do. You do it, kind of thing. Sometimes it's because leadership becomes manipulative because they 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 want this thing done, and they got to manipulate people to get it done, or or manipulate people to to just be the way they want them to be. Um, dishonesty, autocracy manipulation. Those things those things are mentioned a lot, okay? And for people who walk away, it's not that they just had a you know one bad experience or two, but it tends to be a series of repetitive experiences that over time just erode their trust and respect for the people who serve in leadership. Personally, I can't tell you, and this is just one. This is one thing, right? I've heard. I've heard way more than this, and can tell you a lot of stories. But I can't tell you how many times in the last few years I have heard of church elders firing preachers, and then offering them better severance packages if the preachers will just lie to the congregation and tell them that it was their idea to leave, rather than tell them that they got fired. I can't tell you how, how much that disgusts me. Um, and, and something else I've seen firsthand several times, church leaders are often far too willing to throw individual sheep under the bus in order to preserve the status quo. Whatever that means, whatever that means, they're willing to sacrifice their own members. In contrast to Jesus who leaves the 99 sheep to go and find that one and bring them back because that one is precious no man left behind we say in the military that should be our motto in the church but so often it isn't this is this is mafia kind of stuff folks and it has no business whatsoever among the people of god i'm reminded of paul's comments to the romans uh, in Romans 2.24, he says, God's name is blasphemed among the pagans because of you. <sighs> Some people look at the, at, the, at the awful moral and ethical um, things that they see in church leaders and think, I don't want any part of this kind of God. If these are God's people, I don't want any part of it. And they would be right. The thing is, that's not God. Those are those are are corrupt, perverted, un, um, unregenerated people who somehow have found their way into a position of leadership. That too is another conversation about how we appoint leaders. Jesus never treated people that way. Watch watch the chosen that we talked about. Um, uh, last year when it came out. By the way, season two, The Chosen, is coming out this Sunday, um, Easter Sunday, as I understand it. Yay for that. It is an awesome picture of Jesus. This is the guy you want to follow. I want to follow that guy. I want to go wherever he goes. I want to do whatever he says because he's got life. That's what everybody who met Jesus said. They said, I will follow you to death I have hardly ever met a church leader that I would follow to death. And I have met a great many who I wouldn't follow very far at all. Okay? So Jesus doesn't treat people that way. But I hear stuff like that all the time. So another another reason. An awful lot of people that leave traditional churches say that they just want more authentic relationships. And they feel like the ones that they, that they have in traditional forms of churches are, are too superficial or too governed by uh, pat answers, answers to complicated questions instead of people really getting to know them and, and wanting to, to walk alongside them and share in their joys and in their struggles. Those kind of relationships, people, all people are desperate for that and very few people seem to find that. In a lot of churches, I I know of a church who's um, a very traditional church. The minister and his sweet wife um, wanted to start a small group in their home, in part to try to try to make things more relational. Uh, the elders allowed it. Now, I, I'm just going to go on record to say, um, if you want to do like this is my conviction on all this. If you want to do something good and you feel like God has put it on your heart to do, you should not need to ask permission from the church leaders to do it. Right? You should just do it. Okay? But they felt like they needed to ask permission because this is a traditional church and, you know, the elders are the boss. The bosses, right? So they asked permission, can we do this? The elders allowed it. For a, for a trial period. They said, you can do this on Sunday nights um, for, a, for a trial period. And so they did. They started this little little small group in their home on Sunday nights. People started coming together and they started sharing life together. and And the account that I heard of this is that people started to thrive in ways that they never had. People enjoyed a level of connection and authenticity and intimacy that they had never experienced. It was wonderful. Their faith was growing. People were happy. They were joyful. It was fantastic. And then the elders told them they weren't allowed to do that anymore. And every everybody needed to just get back to the building on Sunday nights. and as far as i know that whole thing fell apart it's that kind of stuff right like if you if you had a if you had a if you were part of a group like that and you were finding life and connection and somebody stepped in and said you can't do this anymore and and you listen to them that was that was my opinion part of the problem how frustrated would you be that somebody took a good thing away from you, okay? Moving on. A lot of people just want more of, of Jesus and his life than their congregation offered. Um, the, the focus in a lot of congregations just seems to be on things and meetings and getting together at the next appointed time rather than on helping people learn to experience the fullness of life in Jesus. There is, there is life in Jesus, but you don't always see that in churches. You see routine and ritual, and ritual is not all bad, right? I'm, don't hear me saying it's a bad thing. Ritual can be a wonderful thing. But sometimes churches are just going through the motions, and there's no life there. And for that reason, some people leave. Some people actually report no dissatisfaction at all with their current church, but they just sense that the Spirit is leading them to move on to something else in a a different stage of their journey. And so they walk away. Some say that churches focus so much on buildings and infrastructure or or the, the Sunday show, which is an elaborate production in some churches, that they just neglect the outside world. Everything becomes... You know what we do here on Sunday, or whatever other day of the week, some churches do things. Um, one person put it this way: the church is inwardly focused and consumed by the politics of its own survival—butts, hmm. budgets, and buildings. I had a I had a minister friend tell me that that's what really most church leaders are concerned about: butts. Budgets and buildings. The number of people sitting in the pews, the budgets and the buildings. Like that, those are the things. Heaven help us if the church has become that. For some people, here's another thing. Uh, there just has become too much politics in the life of their church. The church, they feel, has become a kind of a political arm of, of, of either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party here in the United States. Um, and there's churches that go off the rails on either side of that, and I have always said. Now I have my own political convictions, but I have always said that if a church thinks any political party is the one Jesus would endorse, you either don't know Jesus well enough, or you don't know that political party well enough. And I'll and I'll admit the first time I ever ever left a church. It was because of politics. It was because that church started doing some things politically and supporting some things financially, politically, that I just couldn't get behind. Um, and in today's culture in America, oh my. You're either a, you're either a conservative Republican church or you're a, a, a wide-eyed liberal Democrat church. And, and folks, the church has no business allying itself with any secular political party or agenda. The church is above all of that, and, and, and I can critique both parties pretty thoroughly, if you want to know the truth. Our, our allegiance should be to Jesus, not to a political party. Goodness gracious. But that stuff has seeped into churches, and it's dangerous so one more, um, another reason people just walk away. In addition to all those things, for, for a lot of people, there are just many, many, many stories about harsh, critical judgment. For, for people who say they believe in grace, we can be some of the most judgmental people on the planet. And heaven help us. God forgive us for that. But the bottom line for all these people is that the church, they feel, is keeping them from God. According to them, the church, not God, is the problem. And they've stayed in the church long past the point that it ceased to be fulfilling or even sustaining. And it's not that they hate the church. Most of them have worked on behalf of the church. For many of them, they they stick it out for years tirelessly trying to help reform their church, only to find their efforts and their passion stifled by a bureaucracy that resisted change. And finally, seeing no other way for their faith to survive, they made a conscious decision to leave the congregational model and find growth, fellowship, and mission beyond it. But they end up fleeing for their own spiritual lives and to reconnect with a God they feel has been made distant to them by the structure of religious organization. Okay, so what can be done about all this? Well, I'd like to offer a couple of solutions Um, and and I'm gonna gonna address different groups of people in in all this. Um, First, for the churches themselves, um, I, I would offer this. If you're a church leader and you've noticed people leaving, you you need to become more trustworthy. You need to become more transparent. And you need to become more repentant. And yes, repentant. Most significantly, you need to repent. Churches have got to stop chasing the things of the world. And, and, and I'm talking about things like size or money or power or reputation or influence or control. Those are not the things of God. And continued focus on those things will swamp the purpose of, of the church of God in the world. We need, as I've been saying forever, more humble, devoted church leaders people who are transformed by the Spirit of God within them so that they look and act and think and feel like Jesus. When the apostles faced a leadership challenge in Acts 6, they they, they sought people, they told the people to look for people full of the Spirit and wisdom. We have got to start in our churches prioritizing those things and quit prioritizing influence, social prominence, and business acumen. Those are the things oftentimes when, when, when leaders are appointed in churches, it's because they've got those qualities. And I want to say those are not kingdom qualities. Our goal as churches should be to, to, to reproduce the spirit and love of Jesus himself in people, period. And listen to this. There are no other goals. There are no other goals than that. Leaders need to be those kind of people. And if if they're not, they need to be kicked out. The church does not need high-powered business executives that have not the spirit of Christ. Churches need to quit trying to manage organizations And instead, shepherd the people of God. You want to fix this problem of people leaking from your churches? Leaders, you need to be different people. And if you can't be different people, you need to step aside and let some people who are the kind of people, Jesus people, let them be in charge. Let them shepherd the people of God. So, that's churches. What if you're one of the people who are thinking of leaving your church for any of the reasons we've talked about so far? What do you do? Well, I have some advice for you, too. First, let me get a cup of coffee. Okay. First, first, make sure that you invite God into your own heart around this stuff you need to get really really clear on how much of this if any of it is you okay sometimes we're we're our own problems right i'm not i'm not saying that's always the case but 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 i don't know you right i don't know who's listening to this and i don't know you and i know in my own walk in this regard sometimes i have been my own problem okay so you need to get really really clear on how much of this if any is you and you need to ask the lord for help you need to invite the lord into your own struggles here um ask him to help you understand your own heart your own soul your own emotions around all this take some time to 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 dialogue with the lord about all this invite a few trusted friends into this with you um you know, the Bible says, without guidance, people will fall, but with many counselors, there's deliverance. Proverbs eleven fourteen. okay? So really get clear in your own head um, with wisdom and humility about what part, if any, you play in all this, okay? Secondly, I really believe that unity is and fellowship are things worth preserving, if at all possible. And while I'm the first person to understand when it's not, it is always worth the effort. So try talking to your church leaders. Try, give it a shot. You may not trust them, and, and there may be good reasons why you don't trust them, but but before you walk away, try to repair some of this, okay? If, if, if you at all can, state your case prayerfully and humbly and with love and tell them what you feel is wrong and what you feel you need and what the people of God need, okay? Remain humble and then listen to what they have to say, okay? And if you can work with them and make things better and build the kingdom of God with those people, that is that is better. That is a better option. But in the end, only you know what you can do and what you can't. Paul says in Romans 12, 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's not possible because it doesn't just depend on you. Sometimes it depends on other people. And if you've got, if you've got a hard-hearted group of church leaders that just want to preserve their own position and power and, and don't want to change, there's nothing you can do about that. But But I want to say it's worth trying, okay? Thirdly, if that, if that doesn't yield fruit that you can live with, if that conversation with church leaders doesn't change things. I had a, I had a church consultant come into a church that, that I was working with one time to try to fix some of this stuff. He did a seminar and talked about a lot of good things. And, and I asked him, I said, how do you know when it's time to leave? And he said, He said this, he told me, he said, "Um, we've talked about a lot of important stuff this week. He said, give it six months. And he said, if some of the changes that we've talked about are not put in place in six months, then you probably ought to just leave because they're not going to get put in place. Well, I stuck it out a year and nothing changed. And so we left. And if you feel that for your own spiritual health, you've, you've got to move in a different direction from your current church, I want to say to you, please listen to me. I want to say, be at peace. Okay? Be at peace with that. There is life. There is life beyond your current congregation. I can assure you, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus Boy, Christianity is wonderful. It is filled with peace and joy and love and hope. And if the Christianity you're getting at your church isn't that, move on. Move on. Because what God wants to produce in you, he will produce. It just may not be there. Okay? And and let me be really clear about something here. Um, if, if you leave, God is going to go with you. But let me, be, let me be really clear about something else, folks. The church is God's idea. The church is God's idea. You cannot walk through this life as a Christian alone. That is not God's plan, okay? There, there are no lone rangers in Christianity. We need one another. God designed it that way. We need brothers and sisters to walk with us. That is absolutely true, but not all churches are healthy. And I, I honestly believe that, that in, here in the 21st century, God is doing a new kingdom work at this time. And part of that, I think, involves pruning down the church. There just isn't room anymore for churches who do not live out Jesus' kingdom vision. Those that don't are going to wither and die so if you're if you're part of a church like that, feel free to, move, to to move on, because Jesus may well be moving on as well. Listen to him, follow him, always follow him. And if he leads you away from your current church, that's okay. You're better off with Jesus, and he will ask for for him to help you find other people to connect with, to walk with, because you need it. You really need it, okay? Now, I want to say one other thing. If, if you if you are out there and you are listening to this and a lot of this has resonated with you and you just feel like you're at the end of your rope, but you feel so hopelessly alone and there's nobody around you who, who can understand your struggle and who can know what you're going through particularly if you're in ministry like if you're the minister and you feel this way and you've got and you feel like you've got no one you can talk to listen to me email me okay email me i will be there for you and i'm going to give you my email address all right and i'm going to i I prayed about this i'm trusting that i'm not going to get hit with a million spam emails from people trying to sell me something or some other kind of garbage all right if you do I won't respond to you there but if you but if you're struggling and you're hurting and you're just trying to figure out how to take the next steps with Jesus into something that feels drastically different and particularly if you're a minister and you're scared to death about how in the world you're going to pay the bills if you walk away from from ministry for the sake of your soul email me okay and let's talk here's my email My email address is Jesus Society Podcast, Jesus Society Podcast at gmail.com. Okay? Email me and we'll talk. All right? Because God loves you deeply. And He wants you to have life and have it abundantly. And He wants you to find some people. Who who can who can be the kingdom of God with you and for you in the world? Okay. As, so let me wrap this up here. As we've said, as we've said in previous podcast episodes, the church didn't always look like it does today. Originally, churches were small home-based gatherings of extended spiritual families, and they function like families, not organizations. And for a long time now, churches have functioned like organizations, often with disastrous results. And today that includes branding and marketing teams, program directors, finance people, and liability attorneys. Heaven help us. And I am convicted because of long experience and observation that when those things take center stage, the kingdom of God is lost. The kingdom of God does not consist of corporate marketing, finance, organizational management. But it consists, as the Bible says, of love, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I believe with all my heart that God is rebuilding his church again. I see it. I believe he's calling together his people who have his heart and really want to share his life. And sometimes he is empowering them to change their existing churches. But honestly, I don't see that as much as I'd like. What I personally see more of is God pulling his people or leading his people out of hopelessly failed expressions of church to be part of something new. And those new types of churches meet his families in living rooms or storefronts or other places. And he's not just building new organizational models. Jesus is reconstituting the family of God. And it is happening all over the country. Here in the U.S., I know personally of a dozen or more groups like that. And all of them are thriving and functioning as the kingdom of God in the world. And it's usually not flashy or big, but it's effective, and it is full of life and full of love. And that, folks, is a wonderful thing to behold. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and now also on Amazon Music. Please visit us on our Facebook page for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, and and I keep saying we're loading all the, the previous episodes uh, of the podcast onto YouTube and Odyssey. We were doing a new episode every day, an old new episode every day. I kind of got behind. We were out of town last week, um, and I... We went for a wedding, and I just got behind. So sorry about that. We'll pick up on that. Um, if you'd like to support our show and the, our related ministry, we've added a Patreon page, and we'll have a link for that in the show notes. And uh, if the Lord moves you to, to, to donate, we would really appreciate it. You certainly don't have to, okay? And don't do it unless the Lord's behind it, okay? Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, you are greatly